Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Here's one of the interviews from the stage of Code Commerce 2017 in New York City. If you like it, please leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay. First of all, this is a really cool space to be in. Uh, for those of you, for those of us who are from New York, we've been hearing about the Hudson Yards project for, I don't know, over a decade at least. So it's nice to actually see that it's here and be a part of it. Um, Joey, I want to start with you. All birds. <clears throat> Apparently all, I, I read a story in the New York Times recently that said that all birds is basically the cobbler to Silicon Valley. What does that mean? <laughs> Um, it, yeah, it's funny. It was, a, I mean, great article for us. I, I think what it, uh, first of all, thanks for, thanks for having me. I've, I'm, I'm a little last minute. I hope you guys um, uh, are okay with it. I feel like I straddle the line of like special guest we, we and love, B-list. No, we but... love talking to you guys. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think we got that, got that, uh, that, that article and that particular headline really because our view has been since starting the company that that kind of work and play has have totally blurred. And when you're on your phone, you're not doing nine to five at the office and then five to 10 at home. You're working throughout the day and you're kind of mixing a lot of different activities and you're working on your phone. And when you're doing that, you absolutely need to change your wardrobe to make sure that you're comfortable throughout the day in different activities. And I think apparel has kept up with that and, and the footwear industry hasn't so much and coming with a, a huge splashy logo and a bright color into the office is a lot less acceptable than something that's a little more modest but still kind of stands out but gives you like great comfort. And so developers are a great example of that kind of work and life behavior. But I think it's emblematic of a, of a much broader phenomenon and I would, I would kind of label it more the creative class of people that are focused on great design but also love to uh, they have to be on their feet a lot. Designers, um, interior designers, architects, things like that. I think it, we, we stand for something that they believe in and can relate to. So I think it's, it's a consequence of that versus, versus the tech community being kind of the only thing. Well, I mean, I, I, the, the no logo aspect, you could kick up your shoes there because I've got, yeah. I've got Nikes on and there's a logo here. Yours does a couple. Um, go. And I think that's, and I see some other Allbirds out in the audience <laughs> here. So. Here's what's interesting is that like it's recognizable by the fact that there is no logo, right? So many shoes these days have logos, yours doesn't. Oh, I recognize what that is. Um, I guess to tie it to Silicon Valley, it's a little bit like Mark Zuckerberg's t-shirt, right? It's sort of, I mean, I know he has some t-shirts with logos, but it's sort of like this yeah. blank slate kind of look, this idea, this feel. Um, here's the thing. So you started online. Um, you're doing really well by all accounts. You just opened a, your first storefront though. Down on Prince Street, 68 yeah. Prince, yeah. just as of what, a few Good hours plug. ago? It opened? Yes, 11 o'clock today. <laughs> All right, so congrats on that, but why, why open a store? Uh, you know, I think it's, for us, it's just about creating a great experience wherever people feel most comfortable. And as, as far as I understand it, 17% in the, in the shoe industry in the US, it's an $80 billion industry, which is about two and a half billion shoes transacted every year. 17% online. And a lot of that is, I know my size, I know what I want, I know the brand, so I'm gonna replace it with the same purchase. So call it like 10% maybe of new discovery for a first time try. And that means that 90% of people are less comfortable doing it online than, than transacting in the offline environment. We want to have an immersive experience that 
shows what our brand means and we actually talk about the, uh, the innovation in the fabric, the luxury of the fiber that we use. We use like a fiber that's used in $5,000 suits. So if we weren't able to express that and tell that story, we're not a brand, we're just in a couple of attributes of features and benefits. And, and really, you know, look, we have tons of copycats already coming after us and we're only 17 months old. And the copycats don't have the same kind of quality of material. They don't have the same focus on supply chain that cares for its animals and its people. Um, and so we need to tell that story. And I think a, a brick and mortar storefront is, is a wonderful example to give those stories and a little personality of the brand. We have, we have a hamster wheel in the store for humans to walk in and try on the shoe, which I think any New Yorker with a small apartment gets like a little creativity being required. So, uh, so it's a way to express like, we're, we don't take ourselves seriously. We're a pretty quirky brand and that little personality is, it's important to share with the world. And so, so brick and mortar is great. This is now like at least the second or third time we've heard about stores being a place to tell stories or yeah. as an experience. The, the last group that was up here, Glossier and Sweetgreen, they're very similar things. So Ben, your, your firm, Snarkitecture, you know, you could be argue, I think a big part of what you guys are doing is doing exactly that, right? Sure. Telling the story of the brand. What does that, it, just, it sounds a little, what does that mean? Like in effect, in execution, what, what, how does that actually turn out? What are, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? Well, I think, um, as Joey mentioned, like the immersive environment, the environment that you live in, shop in, it's all kind of collapsing on itself. Like there is no running to the store anymore because I got to pick something up. It's just part of your day. You want that to be a good experience also. And I think the jump for brands coming into brick and mortar is how do we represent ourselves in the physical world, not just as a backdrop to our, our product, but like how do our people you know, what's the relationship you build with your clients and what is that environment and whether it's elevated or loose or whatever it is, it's extremely important because people, you know, especially online, what's your presence? You know, you take a selfie, it's not about just the clothes, it's the whole background, right? It's the, it's the entire environment and that is just critical for anybody coming out. Like a brick and mortar is not just a testing ground for, for product and people to come check it out. It's how do you represent yourself in a physical space as a brand. So, I mean, from, from what I've seen, all the numbers that I've seen and, and how things are happening for retail, retail is dying. Physical stores are dying. E-commerce is on the rise, certainly. Um, do you really need to have a store these days? Like, aside from telling the story, aside from creating the brand, like, are you actually, your firm, for example, are you seeing more work coming in from e-commerce brands or... Um, certainly, I think some of our work, there'll be e-commerce brands that still, most of their sales are online, but want to, like I was talking about, create that physical environment. And the other end, other brands that we do works projects for them where there is no real to retail component. It's really just create an experience, maybe part of a design fair or something. We've worked with costs um, in exactly that format of just creating an interesting um, place to be, it's kind of related to the brand, but really just testing people and what they like and associations with, you know, architecture, art, those things. And I think, you know, like the work that we'll do with Related is just like making an interesting space. And that's important for, for kind of anybody, whether it's retail. Um, if, if I could just add to yeah. that, I don't, I would contend that retail is doing great. Um, I'll explain that a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, I, I want to hear it. Amazon, maybe they're 8% of retail, but they have completely changed 100% of retail. 
and they've reset consumers' expectations for service. So multi-product retailers that are built on a brand for service, giving you a great sales associate and customer relationship or speed to fulfill the inventory, whatever, to time you get the product, that is a hard business to be in right now. Um, and if you're a, a department store, multi-product retailing, that's a challenge because Amazon has created an environment where they have tried to commoditize individual products and get you the best price if you're a consumer. And so, and so that kind of retail is gonna struggle. But retail where a brand is communicating directly to a consumer and doing something and delivering a great experience, I think, I, I mean, I'm extraordinarily excited at the opportunity. And by the way, prices on, re, on real estate are going down. So it's a great time to be in retail. So are we gonna see more Allbirds stores popping up? 100%. All right. Um, I wanted to go back to what you said earlier about how Amazon is changing retail. I think that's right. I think it used to be when you do e-commerce, you had to have a website. It's hard enough to do. Now that's less the issue. It's more what's your customer service? What's your delivery? Uh, how consistent are you with your deliveries? Do you accept returns for free? All that kind of stuff. And that actually is the higher cost. That's the bigger problem to solve. Uh, and that's something in a lot of ways the, the standard Amazon had set right for, for many, many years. Um, so again, it's like, what does that mean for a store, right? Are you offering, are you teaching sales associates the same, like how does that translate for, especially for a business like yours where you started out online only and you might have, I don't know if you have sort of telephone customer service or email customer service, but what does that mean for actual sales associates in the store? It, it changes things for, for our entire business. I mean, you're right, it, it has reset the expectation and I would contend that we have better service than Amazon for our online experience. And I say that because if you go and buy a product on Amazon and you use it for three weeks and then you decide you don't like it anymore, maybe they'll take it back, maybe. Uh, and if you tell them the real reason is I just decided I used it but I stopped liking it, right. you might have a hard time. We've reduced the friction to buy online by suggesting that you can try it for 30 days in the wild and we'll take it back, no questions asked. It doesn't happen very often. Full uh, refund. Yeah. and and. And we give it a good second life with a partner of ours that, that gets it distributed to someone who, who can use it as, a, as if it were new. Um, so it has changed it, but those are just constraints that I think breed some creativity. That was our solution to giving, lowering the friction to buy. And I think it also translates to our customer service team for online. It also translates to an agility in our sales associates in the store to take shoes purchased online, how to do that and how to relate that to inventory and flow that for what we would call a poly-channel kind of approach that we take for DTC, but offline and online. And, direct to and consumer, right? Direct to consumer, yeah, sorry. Um, so, so that is, um, I think it just, it's a constraint, but it's, it's a constraint that, that is certainly overcomable and it's different by category. Okay, so then this is for both of you guys. I mean, when you're dealing with clients or when you're thinking about other storefronts to open, I mean, how much of it really is a marketing expense or a marketing strategy versus another sales channel? Like, what is the, like, what's the goal? In other words, when you're helping to design a space or find a space, is that, is that really the point? Or are you, you thinking, well, I, I need to make sure I hit X number of sales per, or even if I don't hit it, it's fine because it's a showroom. It's a marketing expense. It, it works out. Do it. 
Um, so our stores have to be profitable, otherwise we won't do them. Okay. That's a, that's a no questions asked, that has to happen. Um, but if you're advertising and you have both allbirds.com and you have Allbirds on Princeton Lafayette, you have a, a better shot on goal that someone's gonna stumble upon you and get reminded and, and go purchase because they wanted to do it, they just didn't get around to it. So there's kind of a, a, a leverage effect on advertising, which is important. Um, there's also, I think, a lot of people who are uncomfortable buying online will do it and then they'll come back and repeat on the e-com side. So I think um, for us, it's, it's a combination. We certainly see a big marketing benefit, but we also see a profitable business that, that, that um, you know, our, our focus is to sell a bunch of shoes because we think if you buy our shoe versus somebody else, you're doing something great for the planet. That's our overarching mission in life um, as a business. And so the more the better, and, and, and I think we get a great effect for, for both reasons. In that, so you still need to make profit on your stores? For sure. Uh, ben, what are I you think, seeing from your clients? I think everyone always needs to make profit in their stores, but um, I think our experience is it's all across the spectrum. If you're a known brand, it's something, it's like, you know, are we reinventing ourselves? That's one question. If it's a small brand that's just getting started, you really need to make a presence. Is it about being somewhere where people are gonna walk by, and it's really about creating a moment of you know, pause, like our job is to get people to stop, wait, and want to check that space out if they've never heard of the brand, that the space is like, that is the representation of the brand in a physical world, you wanna go in regardless. Uh, and then for other clients with you know, culture of drops and people are gonna be lining up anyways at certain stores, it's you know, really facilitating that process and about a different kind of service, right? Because that's a totally different um, approach. So that's actually interesting, the idea specifically of, especially in the case of shoes, right? Shoe drops where you have special editions. Nike is, has mastered the art of this yep. in terms of you know, this store, this time, we're gonna drop X number of special edition shoes you can only get at this store. Mm -hmm. You see kids lining up, adults lining up, like early in the morning for these things. They'll snap up every bit of the stock and then just sell it on eBay, right? So, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I guess what my—that's sort of an extreme example. But I guess at that point, the store is sort of like a secondary element in that, right? Sure. Yeah, I think um, it can be. I think for so many ways, it is then a kind of marketing situation where I mean, certainly there's a lot of drops that are just online, like the Kanye shoes. It's right. just an online thing. Um, but bringing people into the store, it's just like having some other third party or, you know, selling um, coffee in a shop or some kind of extra things that's like incentive to come into the store. There's a lot of different programming that comes with that. Um, you know, having food and all kinds of different things in, you know, retail centers and stuff. It's all kind of linked together. So one of the, one of your big clients is Kith. Right. Which I know, and the reason why I know this is that in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, there's a Kith store there, which I walk by all the time, and I, for, I don't know, for almost a year of walking by the store, I had no idea what it was, but it looked really cool. I sure. said, oh, I gotta, what is that? And I see kids lining up for that kind of stuff. We're Hudson Yards here, this is clearly, this and the High Line are definitely uh, attractions, right? The idea that a design space can lure people in, whatever, they don't care what's there, they didn't know what was there, mm -hmm. I need to go see it, it's a tourist destination, whatever. Um, how much does that play into what, you know, putting a storefront in? Is that, is it just a purely foot traffic thing or is there some other special relationship between the brand, the, the, the company and like where they're located? Hmm, I think 
both. I mean, a storefront thing, um, for those of you who don't know, Kith, we did their uh, store in Brooklyn on Flatbush. The whole concept there, there is no view into the store at the front. There's no mannequins they put up front. It's just this design that we've come up with, and you really have to come in to experience the store um, and get actually really deep into the store before you see any product. And kind of like any building, any building with retail that's not right at storefront level, you have to come in and experience it. So something has to kind of bring you in. And I think um, that can happen online. People know about it. Um, or you walk by a whole bunch of times, and finally you're convinced to come in. It might be the ice cream there that convinces no, I, you to I, come I, in. I, I finally walked in at one point. I forget exactly what the reason was, but I said I have to go in. Sure. Um, I'm going to open it up to, to questions in just a minute. I had a quick one, though, before we get there for you, Joey. Shoe drops. Is that something you guys are doing or plan to do or would do? Uh, yeah, yeah, you have a you special know, edition or a limited edition or we're, something. We're learning about it. You know, I think, I think we're a little less of a, we think about ourselves a lot less as a fashion company and more as a, almost an anti-fashion, but more of a basics. Um, so we, you know, like, for example, this shoe is only available at our New York store. So um, as an example of that, we'll see if we see it on eBay. Um, but <laughs> so, so, you know, we're toying around with the concept and we're kind of learning and, and we, we also don't want to incentivize uh, a customer that's just in our retail store versus one of our best customers on e-commerce. So, you know, we're, we're um, toying with a couple different programs where we may have something for related to loyalty where people who are our best customers also get access to it and things like that. So, you know, we're, we're, we're learning how to, how to interact with our customers. I do top customer events in different cities whenever I'm traveling, I invite them for drinks and just learn from them. And that's kind of one of our best places okay, so to, hold on a, second. to a top customer. I mean, do I need more than one pair of shoes? You do. Really? Okay. I mean, from you. So. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, any questions in the audience? <laughs> Come up to the mics, yell them out, whatever. Okay. So well, I had another one for you, Joey. Um, you, don't, you said you don't consider yourself a fashion brand necessarily, though I think clearly people making a choice to want your shoes versus others. I don't know if you've announced or anything. Are there plans for other kind of items from, from Allbirds, either yeah. clothing or others? What would that be? What are you doing? Um, so we're, we're really quite set in the casual shoe sector for a little while. Um, we're, we really think of ourselves at the core as a material innovator. And so we, we spend a, we have a much, much bigger R&D and product development team than we do in engineering staff. Um, and the reason for that is because we think that if we innovate on material that gives an amazing comfort experience, that customers are going to keep coming and we're going to keep doing something that's really unique for the world. So that's a big focus for us. And if we can take material innovation and put it into a great casual shoe and we keep redefining in our, in our specific way what comfort means based on season and use occasion, we think there's a lot of things where we can extend that comfort and that material innovation, um, particularly with, you know, you can see our shoes, it's kind of a reduction of design and very simple. Extending that philosophy for our brand and our product into other categories where you're also looking for comfort is something we're, we're clearly um, exploring and, and, and more to come. So can you tell us what those might be? Pants, I will not. Shirts? I will not. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, before I close it off, I want to ask um, Ben one more thing. You're doing some work with Related yeah. on Hudson. What is it? Tell us about it. What, what, what should we expect to see? Um, oh, man. Expect to see. Um, so it's an architecture. The, what we try to do is really explore this gray area between art and architecture, um, not just making you know, unique architectural experiences, but 
you know, interactive stuff, taking familiar things um, and making them extraordinary. So, you know, in retail centers, what is it that goes beyond just a, a pleasant environment to um, see new retail, shop, do whatever, but like really pause and create moments um, of reflection, of, you know, introspection and exploration, really. So, um, what we'll be working on is a whole floor of a new building here that'll be a lot of online retailers, some coming in for the first time. Um, and we'll be creating the framework for the introduction of those brands into the world. So your, your firm is known for one of, of many things, these experiences you're talk, talking about. There's yeah. a, the plastic ball pit. I yeah. know that's probably not the best way to describe it, but that's effectively what it is. Is effectively what it is. is it, um, it's, called okay, it's called the beach. Okay, it's called the beach. Hopefully, I would love to. I mean, I think we, um, if you don't know it, um, it's called the beach. It, it's been touring um, around the globe, um, last in Paris, but this big um, arena size installation that. Full of plastic balls. A million plastic balls. But um, you can all sort of dive into it and stuff, right? You could dive into it and experience it just like going to the beach. So we're going to get that here maybe? Um, sure. Okay, bring it in. Yeah, I, I'd love to do it. Okay. Um, but yes, I think part of what we'll be doing is creating what we do, bringing that to um, a retail experience, whether it's you know temporary, permanent thing that I think we'll be really kind of exploring reasons to come check it out all the time. Great. So people who buy online want to go into places, dive into ball pits, Get special oh. shoes. Yeah. All right, your hamster wheel. All right. Uh, Joey, Ben, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Remember to leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay, and be sure to check out our other podcasts. Every Monday, I host Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. On Thursdays, you can hear Recode Media, in which Peter Kafka interviews the smartest and most interesting people in the media world. And on Fridays, I host Too Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. You can find all these shows and more at recode.net or wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>